Welcome. All right, I'm testing a new setup. Um, new season. New topics. And this has grown out of the fact that the Southern New Leadership Conference, of which I am president, is a nonpartisan organization. However, I must honestly say that I have become deeply disenchanted uh, with President Johnson. I feel that he is so emotionally involved in the war in Vietnam and uh, so concerned about saving face more than achieving peace. Uh, that we're going to have to have a change of administration. And I think both Mr. Kennedy and Mr. McCarthy represent the kind of competence, dedication, and relevant uh, uh, thinking on the basic issues that confront us today, uh, that they are the kind of men that present the, the alternative that I think we need. Well, I must honestly say that... Uh, I absolutely refuse to get in any public or even private debate uh, with Congressman Powell, and I have no comment other than that I have not said anything in the nature of uh, this to Mr. Powell in Bimini. I went to Bimini not to see him, but to get a few days' rest, and uh, when he discovered I was on the island, he sent for me and wanted me to talk with him, and I did, but we didn't talk about any of the things that he has said we talked about. Is the era of the moderate civil rights leader over? Well, it depends on what you mean by the moderate civil rights leader. Yeah. I want to start with that. I was sent that clip by Dr. Randy Short. Uh, shout out to Dr. Short. Have uh, communication with him from time to time um check him out he's in the new documentary buck breaking i haven't seen it yet i haven't had time to sit down and watch too much um but i do watch a lot of youtube um a lot of things going on well, that's a real sensitive mic, so you're going to have to, have to excuse. Uh, I like sensitive. I like sensitive mics. I like um, clear. And, you know, like mics. Like, this is a vocal reference mic. I use. I probably shouldn't use this type of mic, but I just made. I just. It feels good in my headphones. So, anyway. I lately. I've been seeing a lot of things. I'll let a lot of things go past me and Def Chef. We talk about a lot. We have many, many conversations that could be shows, that should be shows. But, you know, it's more of an artistic thing to me and him more than a clout-chasing exercise or some sort of, like, regimented thing. Um... A uh, story caught my eye. It has something to do with Kamala Harris. And uh, the hypocrisy, which is uh, Biden and Harris. 
They're not completely, I'm not going to say if they're bad or good. I'm just going to point out things. So, first thing I noticed is uh, she, let me look it up. Oh, uh, she was down there dealing with South America at some sort of conference talking about the migrant border crisis in the U.S. border. And I found it very interesting that she said what she said. Now, I'm going to play it. It's from The Guardian. It's a section. Let's I want play it. to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. And I believe if you come to our border, you will be turned back. Yeah. I find that pretty interesting she said that and quite hypocritical we're gonna run another clip from run another out outfit just so make sure i'm just not pigeonholing her pigeonholing her and this this and let's look and see on YouTube. I'm pulling YouTube clips on the fly. AOC is pretty hot. She goes hard on people, which I find pretty interesting. She's going to attack her, but I thought they were buddies. So we're going to run this. Then we're going to run something else. Here we go. In Central America, she met with some leaders, and I think in Guatemala and Mexico. Um, and she she had this message for folks that were considering making the journey uh, for asylum that I want to play and get your reaction to. Take a listen. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. You... Uh, tweeted some criticism of that. And I just, I, I guess, just to give the sort of defense of it and get your reaction to it, right? I mean, I think the thing that people in the administration would say or others is that, look, it really is a very dangerous journey. Uh, it could be awful for the people that undertake it. And you want to kind of not create an incentive structure that creates more of traffic in these corridors that can be so dangerous. What's your, what's your problem with her phrasing it that way? Well, I think the issue here, and first of all, you know, I think this is not just about the vice president. This is about the Biden administration's immigration policy writ large is not yep. working. It's wrong and it's inhumane. It's rooted our and and he inherited it, but frankly, you know, this is this was also a problem not just inherited by Donald Trump, but inherited by Barack Obama, all the way back to the creation of DHS and ICE under uh, George Bush. But you know, I think one of the issues here in saying that is that. Guatemalans and Central American and South American immigrants know that this journey is dangerous. 
this is not something that is lost on them. And this is not something that I think we need to inform them of. They take that journey knowing that they may die. And the reason they or anybody would take a journey knowing that they may die is the same reason why a person who is stuck in a burning building may elect to jump out a window because they know that their conditions back home in Guatemala people, there are femicides that are happening throughout Central and South America. Um, and, uh, and there are, there's a great deal of political violence, et cetera. And people leave because they believe that they have a greater chance of being targeted, killed and murdered if they stay, um, than the odds of them being killed if they go on that journey. And so they know that this journey is dangerous. Uh, what we as a country, what the United States has not done is actually own up to the fact that we have contributed to regime change, destabilization, and interventionist foreign policy that has contributed to these awful conditions throughout Latin America. Um, and the reason that it's a problem, and this is not just US supporting regime change, this is also climate policy that is impacting the global south disproportionately, even though these farmers and these folks in Central and South America contributed to climate change the least in terms of their carbon emissions, they are experiencing the ravages the most right now and first. And so U.S. climate policy has contributed to this. U.S. foreign policy, U.S. economic and trade policy has helped contribute to conditions. What the hell is she talking about? See, she always be doing that, man. She really likes to sidetrack. I was starting to drift off listening to that. But anyway, the point is... Let's get to this point. The point is the hypocrisy of these motherfuckers. Excuse my language, I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) It's in the morning here, so I got a little allergies going on. So that tends to make me a little irritable. But anyway, okay, we're going to play Kamala, a clip of Kamala during the campaign. We'll see how greasy she was moving. So she's telling people don't come. We're going to have to replay what she said again just to provide clear context. Here we go. Let's listen to the president on immigration. Is full. We don't want people coming up here. Our country is full. We want Mexico to stop. We want all of them to stop. Our country is packed to the gills. We don't want them coming up. Where would you be today if this government told your immigrant parents that this country is full? Not only me, Lawrence, you and probably most of this audience wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. This is a nation founded by immigrants. Unless, you know, you are, your history is of of your ancestors being kidnapped and brought over on a slave ship. Unless you are Native American, your people are immigrants. 
And the idea that we have a president of the United States that on this issue has vilified a whole group of people. Um, and, I, and by the way, I believe it is because it is a distraction for him. He talks about that wall. He wants everyone to be preoccupied with his billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar vanity project, and it's because he's not dealing with the real issues impacting people in our country, like the fact that almost half of American families can't afford a $400 unexpected expense. And on the issue of immigration, he has also defied who we are morally and who we say we are to the world. We have always presented ourselves as being a nation of strength with strong arms that when people are fleeing harm, we will embrace them. But look at what has happened with this administration. There are children who are fleeing murder capitals of the world. Let's be clear about this. Imagine a mother who makes a decision to pay a coyote to transport her child across the entire country of Mexico, facing unknown peril. <laughs> She does that because she believes for that child to stay where they are is worse. But what does this president do? He virtually looks at those children and says, go back to where you came from. What do we have in this president? A policy that was about taking children, separating them from their parents, and calling it border security. No, that was a human rights abuse being committed by the United States government, and it is against the morals and the values of who we are as a nation. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on... Okay. That was MSNBC, Kamal Harris Town Hall. Let's see if I can give you... Uh, this is two years ago. You can Google. Let me just... You can uh, check that out on YouTube. Now... <laughs> It's pretty hypocritical considering uh, she was doing this just a couple weeks ago. Now, she got elected. She cool now. She good now. Now she done switched. They got in and switched. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. And I believe if you come to our border, you will be turned back. Yeah. Interesting. She says that. Because we just got to just really hammer this home. So I'm just going to get in here. And we're going to back to back. This country is full. Not only me, Lawrence, you and probably most of this audience wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. This is a nation founded by immigrants. Unless, you know, you are, your history is of, of your ancestors being kidnapped and brought over on a slave ship, unless you are Native American, your people are immigrants. 
And the idea that we have a president of the United States that on this issue has vilified a whole group of people. Um, and, I, and by the way, I believe it is because it is a distraction for him. He talks about that wall. He wants everyone to be preoccupied with his billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar vanity project, and it's because he's not dealing with the real issues impacting people in our country, like the fact that almost half of American families can't afford a four. Okay, we're going to stop right there, and the reason why we're going to do that is because I'm going to pull some. I'm doing this on the fly. Give me a second. Let's see. One second. I should have had this queued, but. I didn't. I just woke up and start and turn the mic on today. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was talking about uh, Trump's vanity project, right? And he, when they got in the office of Biden Harris community, uh, uh, Biden-Harris got in office they did this move on the border wall oh, okay that's all only like hold on here we go As voting by mail were Jen okay to the extent permitted okay excuse me sorry Jen Pasaki admits some border wall still being built under Biden administration the Hill. It's on YouTube. You can look it up yourself. I'm going to play this. The Vanity Project that Harris was talking about is still continuing. How does that fit with President Biden's day one executive order to stop border wall construction? Well, wall construction remains paused to the extent permitted by law. So some has already been funded through a congressional uh, authorization and funding allocation. Uh, but as agencies uh, develop for a plan, uh, it's paused while agencies are developing a plan for the president on the management of the federal funds. When the administration took office, as you referenced, funds had been diverted from congressionally appropriated military construction projects uh, and other appropriated purposes toward building the wall. And wall construction was being challenged in multiple lawsuits, in, for, for much of the wall, I should say, not all of it, by plaintiffs who allege serious environmental and safety issues. Under those circumstances, uh, federal agencies are continuing to review WALCON tracks and develop a plan to submit to the president soon. It is, it is paused. Uh, there is uh, some limited construction that has been funded and allocated for, but it is uh, otherwise paused. And then, uh, is the White House concerned that Major League Baseball is moving their all-star game to Colorado where voting regulations are very similar to Georgia? Well, let me just refer the few, refute uh, the first point uh, you made. Uh, first, let me say, um, on Colorado, um, Colorado uh, allows you to register on election day. Uh okay. So they're still playing with that wall. Because she was in her town hall clowning. Clowning. In our country, like the fact that almost half of American families can't afford a $400 unexpected expense. Everyone to be preoccupied with his billion dollar, multi billion dollar vanity project. And it's because he's not dealing with the real. Politibro.com. Yeah, so.
during her town hall, you'll just notice that she said half of all families can't even afford a $400 expense. And she also said that the nation was built by immigrants. Pretty interesting to look inside of the mind of Kamala. So, with that said, if half of the country can't afford a $400 expense and black people are pretty much at the bottom of the economic ladder of this country after building it, what can black people afford? If white wealth is, what do they say, 200 times that of black wealth and half the country can only afford $400, there's no help for us. So basically, what I'm hearing in is that there's no room for you immigrants from these countries south of the border where many black people live and many black people are trying to cross. And she's not going to only do stuff for black people. Even in the light of if half of the country can't afford a $400 expense, the black people probably, what, can't even afford a $100 expense, if I'm just talking off the top of my head, or less, she's not going to only do something for black people. So now she's telling the people from Latin countries don't come. Interesting. They handed out a couple of checks, you know what I'm saying? And help people with their $400 car expense. Good job on that. Stimmy, STEMI, they call it. <laughs> Shout out for the STEMI. Now, it's just a lot of hypocrisy, man. Now she down there clowning the immigrants. Uh, let's see. I got something for that. We'll see. They hooked it up for when they got in the office. Yeah, her giving out. Look how look how they talked to Joe Biden. He lifted the ban on H-1B-1 visas. Let's see. He was, he's one. Let's see, let's get some. 
and vocal. On the occasion of India's 74th Independence Day, Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden hosted a South Asians for Biden event and released a major policy document emphasizing his administration's commitment. Here we go. Dissent, Americans are taking over the country. You, my vice president, my speechwriter. He said, what? Rewind this here. Indian of descent Americans are taking over the country. You, my vice president, my speechwriter. <laughs> this dude is a trip. But when it comes to dealing with uh, people from black, black dominant countries. To folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. You go to Florida, you find a very different attitude about immigration in certain places than you do when you're in Arizona. So it's a very different, a very diverse community. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our... So what I'm saying is a lot of those people coming across the border are black. And that's what the news is reporting. They know this. They've seen the data. I mean, they got all types. It's not one type of person that is coming across the border. And, you know, Brazil's got the largest black population outside of Africa. And I remember these conditions have sparked protests in Chiapas, where hundreds of African migrants have been demonstrating outside an immigration office and detention center in Tapachula since mid-August. Many of the protesters have been met with violent repression from Mexican federal police and the National Guard. This is one of the African migrants at a recent protest. The police are beating all of the people. From the beginning, there was no violence. But the guards hit people with their shields. They are beating all of the Africans. They are beating children. They are beating all of the people here. They don't want to help us. They are saying that they don't want any problems with us, but they are the ones who started beating people. They're insulting people. The military and the federal police threw tear gas at us. I don't know what we are going to do. We don't have good conditions here. We don't have a place to be. We need help. We need help getting out of here. 
They are comrades who are in the hospital, beaten with a police shield in the head. We are all human beings here. People are mistreated here every day. In there, they are abusing Africans. If they don't want us here, then give us a visa to get out. We don't want to be in Mexico. We cannot be forced to stay in Mexico. The long mm, wait for African migrants began in June when it was reported that Mexican immigration So, but see, that's not what we're getting from Kamami. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. So the United States will continue to. It, I'm, I'm unclear as to. No, I'm clear. <laughs> uh, what's going on? And I've been pointing this out in, in other podcasts. Uh, that she was running. She was like, I'll see. For African Americans that you would explore. But no, if you look at the, the reality of who will benefit from certain policies, when you take into account that they're not starting at, at, at the same place and they're not, stand, they're not starting on equal footing, it will directly benefit black children, black families, black homeowners. Because the disparities are so significant. So if we focus on the specific issues that have resulted in the greatest disparities, and we understand that that's part of why we're doing it. Listen, the, the reality also is this. Any policy that will benefit black people will benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No, because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole and the country. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's in her own words. You know what I'm saying? Let's see. But they had time to do a whole lot of stuff for a whole lot of people, though. You know what I'm saying? Biden. Let's President see. Biden today signing a bill to combat the growing number of hate incidents against Asian Americans, more than 6,600 in one year. Kristen Welker is at the White House for us. Kristen, there was broad support for this. Lester, there are few bipartisan moments in Washington, but this was one of them. President Biden signing legislation that aims to combat the recent rise in hate crimes, particularly against Asian Americans. The bill improves hate crime tracking and bolsters support for state and local officials. The president called hatred and racism the ugly poison that has long haunted our nation. It's worth noting this was one of the first large indoor gatherings of the Biden administration, almost everyone without a mask. I appreciate you uh, raising the question. I didn't want to steal the president's thunder, but since you asked it directly, he will be announcing a presidential memorandum on protecting the rights of LGBTQ individuals worldwide today. 
uh, that will be part of his remarks at the State Department, and it reflects his deep commitment to these issues, both here in the United States and everywhere around the world. And the United States will speak out and act on behalf of these rights as we go. Yes. Well, President Biden working to strengthen the U.S. government's relationship with Native American tribes and Alaska Native tribal nations to give them a voice with federal agencies. Two Works Fuse, Katie Kelleher shares what this means and how it affects local tribes. Cherokee Nation Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. tells me they started discussions with the Biden administration during the transition process. He says no matter who is in office, it's important to hear this message from the White House. And respect for tribal sovereignty will be a cornerstone of our engaging with Native American communities. Giving Native American tribes a seat at the table. That's the goal of the memorandum issued from the White House Tuesday. It's giving federal agencies 90 days to come up with a plan of action to consult tribal nations on issues that involve them. Anytime an agency does something that might uh, hurt. Uh... Last month, Congress approved a record amount of money for Native American tribes in the American Rescue Plan. Today, First Lady Jill Biden spent the second of two days in Indian country, meeting with Navajo officials and hearing about their needs after a devastating COVID-19 outbreak on the Navajo Nation last year. Stephanie Sai reports on what the potential future looks like for indigenous Americans. So that's in four months. That's everything Biden's been doing for and Harris specifically for certain groups. But during the election, he didn't say anything about those groups. Um, he asked for black American support. Let me look up some. I'm going to do this on the fly. From Cedric Humphrey. He's a student from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, progressive Democrat. This is during the election. Don't jump, Cedric. You look like you're way up there. <laughs> I'll be okay. Thank you, George. And good evening, former Vice President Biden. Many people believe that the true swing demographic in this election will be black voters under the age of 30. Not because they'll be voting for Trump, but because they won't vote at all. I myself have had this exact same conflict. So my question for you then is, besides you ain't black, what do you have to say to young black voters who see voting for you as further participation in a system that continually fails to protect them? Well, I say, first of all, as my buddy John Lewis said, it's a sacred opportunity to right to vote. You can make a difference. If young black women and men vote, you can determine the outcome of this election. Not a joke. You can do that. And the next question is, am I worthy of your vote? Can I earn your vote? And the answer is, there's two things I think that I care, and I've demonstrated I care about my whole career. One is, in addition to dealing with a criminal justice system to make it fair and make it more decent, we have to be able to put black Americans in a position to be able to gain wealth, generate wealth. And so you look at what they, that entails. It entails everything from early education. That's why I'm supporting making sure that 
We had Title I schools, as you know, schools with the least tax base to be able to support their schools. I increased the funding for them from 15 to, to, uh, to uh, $45 billion. That allows every teacher in that school to make up to 60000 bucks. And the problem now is they're leaving the schools. They're not there. We're short about a million. Okay. So apparently he thinks that embedding more people in our community to teach us, to indoctrinate us, is some sort of benefit. Very interesting. Uh, I got another piece I'm going to play. I don't really need to say too much because you can see for yourself the craziness of this whole situation. Even worse than I thought. So now this is so a part all, where he, after getting elected, a leaked video, uh, audio of him of talking to black leaders. Here we go. Concern about a lack of action and progress. A lot of Look people at the in our tone. community are getting a little anxious because they are not seeing enough of the progress they thought they would have seen at this point. Let's not disappoint them and let's not get to a place where voters in Georgia begin to second guess. Okay, let me respond. I've I, I got I to go. Let me respond. There's a lot to respond to here. Let's get something straight. You shouldn't be disappointed. What I've done so far is more than anybody else has done this far. Okay, number one. Number two. I mean what I say when I say it. I mean what I say when I say it. I'm the only person who's ever run on three platforms that I was told could not possibly win the election. And I never ceased from it. One was on restoring the soul of this country because of what I saw happen in Charlottesville. That was it. No one else was talking about it. The words of presidents matter. Nobody else. No progressive was talking about. It. I did. So he's asked about progress and he says, hey, I talked about Charlottesville. Isn't that enough for you people? I mean, in fairness, it is more or less all that he promised on the campaign trail. But you can't really blame people for wanting a little bit more now that Biden is ascending to the heights of American power. Words matter, sure, but actions matter more. Biden throughout this call seems not to agree. All right, the second important piece is this. Biden acknowledges that it's going to be extremely tough to get anything passed through Congress, basically throwing up his hands and setting expectations at the ground for what he can actually do. Here he is talking specifically about two voting rights bills. I like H.R. 1 and I like H.R. 4. But let me tell you something. We're going to have a hell of a hard time getting that passed through a Republican Senate. So the question is, what can we do? In the meantime, I'm going to push him. Hell of a hard time. And he's not wrong, of course. Republicans are not going to do a damn thing with him unless it's something you really don't want them. Now, <laughs> it's funny how he changed his tone. It's like, but when, see, when he got in the office, he seemed to find ways to do stuff for other people. As examples laid in those prior clips to this segment. Now, as black people, man, we really need to re-examine our approach and re-examine how we intend to get things done for our community moving forward. Because I remember when 
Ice Cube was trying to get something and uh, the platinum plan or whatever no not the platinum plan but the plan for black america and, and a lot of people were laughing at him he said we need to get tangibles we have no tangibles nothing right now but everyone else is getting stuff Rest of donald trump ice cube says he is not endorsing trump and is open to working with joe biden's campaign both campaigns contacted me both campaigns wanted to talk to me about the contract with Black America. One campaign said, we love what you have, but let's really dig into it after the election. And one campaign said, we love what you have. Uh, what, do you mind talking to us about it? And that's what I did. Ice Cube says he has come up with his own plan for racial justice called the contract with black America. I'm not going there talking about minorities. I'm not going there talking about people of color or diversity or none of that stuff. I'm going there for black Americans, the ones who are the descendants of slaves. The rapper also fighting back on social media, saying he is bipartisan. Hello, I'm Mark Brown. Get more great ABC7 content by clicking the subscribe button. <laughs> cube now um so with that with that segment played out we have biden at uh black wall street which i'm doing this on the fly as i'm saying again biden in oklahoma so, his next segment is, uh, he said, one group wanted to talk with me now, and the other one wanted to talk after the election. That was the Biden administration. After the election, he did all those things that, like I said, to mention before. So then, jump ahead, he show, Biden shows up to uh, the Tulsa Race Massacre uh, 100 year anniversary here I'm gonna play this segment he shows up no check empty hands even though the government per, uh, basically deputized all those people and made and committed all those murders and destroyed took all that land and stole all that money but he shows up nothing nothing in his hand he won't do that for nobody else Roll it. Racial massacre, one of the worst episodes of racial violence in American history. To commemorate a hundred years of the Tulsa race massacre, U.S. President Joe Biden will be visiting the city. Residents are hoping to hear a call for financial reparations. The Democratic leader who benefited from strong support among African-American voters in last year's election will attend the commemorations of the massacre. Beyond the financial compensation, city residents are counting on President Biden's visit also to bring more attention to the tragedy, which has long remained little discussed in America. On Monday, President Biden said the federal government must reckon with and acknowledge the role that it has played 
Same thing he said to Ice Cube. Uh, we're gonna talk about. Uh, we're gonna. Black communities. No tangibles. Has also began to begun to excavate mass graves where many victims of the massacre are buried in an effort to shed more light on the city's dark past. On May the 31st, 1921, a group of African American men had gone to the Tulsa courthouse to defend a young man from their community who was accused of assaulting a white woman. They found themselves facing a mob of hundreds of thousands of furious white people. Tensions spiked, shots were fired, after which the group of African American men retreated to their neighborhood, Greenwood. The next day at dawn, Greenwood was looted and set on fire. At that time, it was so prosperous, it was known as Black Wall Street. The death toll has been difficult to estimate. Historians say as many as 300 African-American residents lost their lives and nearly 10,000 were left homeless. In 2001, a commission created to study the tragedy concluded that the authorities in Tulsa themselves armed some of the white rioters. And I think it's hypocritical so, for us to go out around the world and try to demand other countries that they've done wrong for centuries. So, he never, he shows up. <laughs> so that's a little backstory. He shows up. Was a community to itself. It was not separated from the outside. Gives us, he, give, he, it he marks the anniversary. There was enough hate resentment and vengeance in the community. Enough people who believe that America does not belong to everyone and not everyone is created equal. Native Americans, Asian Americans... Politibro.com Yes, so he comes and gives a eulogy, eulogy for our murder. Acknowledges there was a crime committed by the government and by the citizens. But does not offer or give us or the victims there any recourse, anything from the government. Meanwhile, he does American rescue plan and he gives money. Here, listen to this. Halito. The Choctaws, Indians. Regarding the American rescue plan funding, that the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians tribal government has received as of June 8, 2021. This is the first of two payments and it totals $53,051,330. The federal government is also providing supplemental funding to directly various MBCI departments. Here is a summary of the direct funding that the tribal departments have received under the ARPA to respond to specific sectors such as health and education. Through the Health and Human Services, the Choctaw Health Center has received $46 million. Through the Department of Interior, the Bureau of Indian Education for Choctaw Tribal Schools has received $26 million. Through LAHIP, Low Income Housing Emergency Assistance has received $68,904. Through the Bureau of Indian Affairs, Justice Services, the Choctaw Police Department has received $600,788. And through the Health and Human Services, Head Start has received $320,662.
the tribe will receive one more formula-based allocation payment. At this time, the amount is unknown. We should find out more on this information later this month. Regarding how the funds is invested and utilized, the tribe has identified certain priorities, including new housing in all communities, infrastructure, including broadband and improvements to water and sewer utilities. This will help support new housing, community development, and economic development. And a new Choctaw Central High School and Middle School campus. Due to the language in the legislation and the guidance of the United States Treasury, we also will be seeking financial investments in advanced workforce development training and to expand our diversity in our economy. As far as the process that we will use to allocate these funds, first, we have distributed a need survey to all tribal departments to provide an opportunity for them to share so, their highest needs. We will also be making a survey available sure to all tribal members to allow the members Talk, Creek and from the so-called five civilized tribes, right? Who are in a lawsuit after they enslaved and, and expelled members of their tribe who had black skin. The lawsuit's been ongoing forever. Sorry. The Biden administration gives them a nice big old chunk of check. Big old check. But he didn't give us nothing. According to Kamala Harris, Creek Nation said they would take initial steps. They're not going to just give nothing just for black people. That they be granted equal rights as tribal citizens, See? an issue that has split their communities and highlighted clashes over identity and racism among Native Americans. Oh, wait a minute. Rewind that. The, the Choctaw Nation and the Muscogee Creek Nation in Oklahoma said they would consider granting citizenship to the freedmen. With pressure growing from the Biden administration, two Native American tribes in Oklahoma have agreed to consider reversing their policies of denying citizenship to descendants of black people who were enslaved by them before the Civil War. The tribes, the Choctaw Nation and Muscogee Creek Nation, said they would take initial steps to address the long-running demands of the descendants that they be granted equal rights as tribal citizens, an issue that has split their communities and highlighted clashes over identity and racism among Native Americans. But the two tribes stopped short of a commitment to grant citizenship to the black descendants, who were known as freedmen, instead saying they would open discussions about the issue. In February, the Cherokee Nation eliminated from its constitution language that based citizenship on being descended from, by blood, tribal members listed on a federal census, the biggest step by a tribe so far to resolve the issue. Those tribes and others, which had originally inhabited the southeast, purchased enslaved black people as laborers in the 18th and 19th centuries, and had brought them along when they were forcibly relocated by the federal government in a deadly ordeal known as the Trail of Tears. Post-Civil War treaties in 1866 gave the formerly enslaved people all the rights of tribal citizenship. But in practice they were segregated and their citizenship rights later denied by a requirement that they be descended from non-black tribal citizens who were on census lists more than a century ago a situation that prompted increasing protests in recent years. Today we reach out to the Choctaw Freedmen. We see you. We hear you. We look forward to meaningful conversation regarding our shared past, Gary Batten, Chief of I'm the Choctaw I'm just curious Nation, as to why, if nation... you're acknowledging you did this, why is the government giving them money? For one, why is the government giving them any benefits until this is resolved?
why is this going on? But like I said, Kamala said there will be no benefits just that would only benefit black people. But strangely enough, these other groups are getting direct payment. Something to think about. 